Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, J.C. Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-pilot, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Polly, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It's a beautiful, hot summer day here in Texas. You know, Polly, today we are going to talk about a very um, exciting topic uh, for, for me personally. We're going to talk about the surprisingly simple truths about multifamily investing. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there lately that have had some success um, as multifamily investors. And certainly a component of that has been the fact that we've had a great market, a great run. But I think that the, the simple truth of it all is that there's some really fundamental concepts that successful investors implement to have a really long-term approach and a really long-term successful approach to being in the multifamily space. And so today, uh, what we figured we'd do is we'd bring on a, a person who's been investing in multifamily for quite a long time and actually someone who has a full-time job and they are a very successful uh, semiconductor person here in the Silicon Valley, but they have chosen to actually start investing many, many years ago and slow and steady fashion in multifamily. We figured we'd bring this person on and we'd have them talk a little bit to the audience about what it takes to be a successful multifamily investor. And he's going to give you the real, uh, you know, the real deal on, on, on what it takes. So without any further ado, let me introduce Larry Landis uh, to the show. Larry Landis, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Really All right. Having me All show. right. Well, Larry, I, I, I want to read just a little bit of stats on you so that the audience gets a feel for your background, if, if that's okay. So, you know, Larry is a senior manager at Intel Corporation, and he's got a 30-plus year background uh, in semiconductors. He's got a BS and a master's in electrical engineering, so it's safe to say that this guy is a pretty smart cookie. Um, he made his first real estate investment in 2005, and we'll get into the background of that. And he made his first multifamily real estate investment in 2013. So he's been doing multifamily as a passive investor for you know, just about, what, about six years or so now? That's right. And he's participated passively in six apartment projects to date. And get this, he's invested over $1.4 million of his money into these real estate apartment deals. Um, and so he's going to be a guy that's going to give you really a true perspective on what it's like to have real money in these deals and how it's been for him as an investor. Um, he generated last year a cash-on-cash -cash return of about 9.5% across his portfolio. And more importantly, he's paid about you know, $0 in taxes uh, across his rental income or his real estate rental income that he generated in 2018. So I think that gives you a real good flavor for his background. So Larry, let's jump right into it. Larry, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, sort of how you arrived um, at multifamily and sort of give us a background on your real estate uh, experience and sort of what drove you to this, this analysis here. Kind of did the traditional um, get Enjoy, uh, employee stock purchase plans and options and things like that. And I saw some pretty good times, in, especially in the, the later 90s when the internet boom uh, was, was in full thrust and um, kind of rode tech stocks up and down pretty drastically. So on paper, I was doing really good on tech stocks and I would take my company stock 
and sell that and think I was so smart. And then I'd go off and buy Cisco and other tech stock companies that I wasn't working for. So I was just trading one asset for the same type of asset, even though it wasn't my own company. Yeah. And eventually it kind of came to a crash in you know, the, 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 the fall of 2000 uh, and 2001 when things um, dropped. And so in 2005, I kind of uh, started looking at what I could do outside of traditional stock and bond uh, investing. And um, my brother-in-law at the time was uh, doing real estate in the uh, Phoenix area. And I ended up buying a new property in 2005 in um, Tucson. And um, I thought I was going to flip it and ended up um, kind of writing that up and a little bit got a little bit greedy and thought maybe I can hold this a bit longer. So I'll just go and rent it myself without a property manager and just see if I can do it remotely and call on my brother-in-law if any, you know, incidentals come up. Um, so that's where I got started in, in, in 2005 and that became a, a single family home rental. Then I bought a second property in Tempe, Arizona near ASU. Um, and that was a condo that I figured would be ripe for uh, college students um, and, and, and being able to keep it, uh, f uh, you know, with, with full vacancy or with full uh, occupancy. Right. So you were basically, you were, you had these two homes and you were self-managing sort of, you know, from California, managing two single family properties, um, in Phoenix. What was, what was that like for you as sort of a guy that had a full-time job, a family, all that good stuff? Um, it was a roller coaster for sure. Um, once it's rented, if you have a reliable renters, no problem. You can do it remotely. Um, if, if problems happen and you don't have property management because you're trying to save the 7% or so fees that they charge you on your, your rental income, um, you do it yourself and something goes wrong. Generally, you, know, you either have to rush a friend or someone that you trust to go off and help fix it or tell them just call the plumber. Um, but then you're always worried about, you know, what things are going to go right if you're not physically uh, uh, there. Um, so that was one of the challenges just in terms of dealing with repairs. The other thing was just getting reliable renters. Um, I had lots of problems with my Tempe property near the university because turnover rates were high. And one of the uh, failures I had in that mode of um, kind of making the calculations is that if you are vacant for two months and you own one property, that's basically your profit for the year. So if yeah. someone leaves early and they don't renew their lease and then you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get it um, occupied in the next month, that, always, that doesn't necessarily happen. Then you become a little bit less choosy on who it might be. Um, you don't spend enough time vetting uh, potential uh, renters. And I did have some problem renters that just weren't paying rent on time. Um, had a quite a bad experience with uh, one of my renters in the Tempe property that he damaged um, a lot of the appliances. I don't know why people would be washing automotive parts in their dishwasher, but it was things like that. <laughs> um, they broke the stove. Um, so it cost me a lot of money to go off and fix it. I try to chase them down, but it's like by the time you get legal fees to go in and collect, it just becomes very problematic. So. Um, that's when I started realizing that uh, this mode of investing isn't necessarily the most, um, the most ideal. Right. So if we kind of fast forward, right, and we, we sort of get to sort of the, um, the 2013 timeframe, if, if, if I imagine, if I understand correctly, you know, you'd, 
you had exited those homes and sort of, you know, maybe, uh, you know, made a couple bucks there, but then you really had a realization of sort of how you really wanted to structure your real estate investing moving forward. Maybe, maybe talk about sort of why you came to multifamily and, and what your strategy was from, from the very beginning, uh, as, as, as a passive investor. Right. So it, it, it's sort of, um, I wasn't actively looking for passive. I was just thinking I would write out the Arizona properties and just see what I could do over time to, to, to make it profitable. But, um, uh, JC and I have some mutual acquaintances and he started talking, uh, about his, uh, uh, business and it sounded interesting to me and that it relieved me a lot of the um, hassles that I have. It's not easy to jump on a plane and, and, and just, you know, go to Phoenix and deal with incidentals. Um, and, the, you know, I'd started reading up a bit about multifamily on my own and Dallas seemed like a right uh, market. And that's where uh, uh, the multifamily property group has been investing. Um, and so I made a first investment, not a terribly large one. Um, I think I'd put 75,000 um, into that. Um, so it was, you know, at, at my stage in life, it was something I could afford without really uh, panicking if things didn't go well. But we did the first investment in 2013. Yep. And almost right out of the shoot, um, I think within a quarter or two, it was starting to produce high teen um, cash on cash returns. So I realized I was onto something really good. And um, the total effort was no more than, uh, you know, going through sign off documents uh, to get signed up on LLC and listening to uh, quarterly uh, investor meetings, which was mostly just, you know, collecting information on how the property was, was going. So it turned out to be a time saver and also a lot more profitable than uh, the do-it-yourself uh, active uh, uh, way that I was doing it. Yeah, I think I think it's such a great point that you 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 made about starting small. It's something I want to take talk a little bit more about because there's a lot of viewers out there that are thinking of of making a similar type of a leap. And and it is uh, you and I have talked about it. This is this is kind of a leap of faith, right? I mean, you've got to do your checkdowns on who your partners are. You do background checks, criminal checks, hopefully you get investor references, which I know you did when you worked with our company, yeah. but at some point you make a leap of faith. And I think what you did, which was really smart because it's really easy hindsight to say, Hey, if it's, you know, high teens, uh, cash on cash ROI, then it's a no brainer, but you don't know that going in and you've never done it with that person before. So I, I think I want you to talk a little bit about sort of the dollar cost averaging approach that you take to investing and how you're just, you've decided over the last several years to sort of go, chunking and chunking and chunking across each deal and really decided not to go heavy on any one particular deal or any one particular project, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, the one thing I learned um, that I'd like to pass along is if you go and speak to your Fidelity or Charles Schwab or one of the big investment companies is they don't talk much about real estate. They'll advise you to own your own single family home but they won't really do an asset class management that they say, you know, have this much in stocks, this much in bonds and this much in invest investment rental property. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that if you sort of look at traditional methods, especially if you're working in tech and stuff and, you know, they'll have fidelity reps and they'll hook you up with someone. They don't talk about that. But um, what you realize is that rental property is, is likely more in the category of like bonds and that it's quite safe. It's not flipping houses, it's long-term investing. 
And I made a smaller investment in, in the beginning just to make sure that I was um, with a good company and felt confident that they were making good investments. So after um, the first investment, um, I felt confident. The second one that I made, um, I think it was in 2014, I put quite a bit more money in and started liquidating my Arizona properties so that I could raise capital to make uh, future investments. Um, so I would definitely advise people to, when you go and you talk to investment uh, advice that are working for the brokerages and such, that bring up you know what should be the asset class uh, to own a business, right? To own a rental property that's outside of what they call on stocks and bonds, because I think it's a great mix that that's great for you know, long-term retirement planning. That's right. That's right. So I, I think, you know, the other thing I wanted you to talk about here was um, as a, as a passive investor, um, I think what the viewers out there really want to know is, Hey, um, what, it, what am I going to make if I invest in these deals? And you know, what's going to be my average cash on cash returns in this type of a market? And, and what are the, the potential pitfalls? I mean, you know, Larry, have you seen speed bumps come up? which I'm sure you have, um, and sort of what's the reality of being in deals uh, and, and being an investor in these passive, passive investments? Yeah, so I think there's a, a few areas. One is just having a high confidence in the company. That's first and foremost, and I highly recommend that you ask for references. I would get as many references as you can. Uh, most people want to share their experiences and let you know if the, you know, the, uh, the partner, the lead partner is going to be are reliable, have good reporting, not do um, capital, you know, callback where they need more money because they need a new roof and they didn't consider <laughs> that and all these surprises, right? So, so um, MPG has been good for me in that in that um, regard. Um, I happened to do my first investment. Um, I got a little bit jaded because in 2013, the market was really hot. That first investment was amazing. It started, I think it peaked at about 24% and I was running in the low twenties. Um, the other ones aren't as high, but across the six investments, I'm running um, kind of high eights to low nines across all of the, um, of all the different investments. And the good thing is it's kind of a continuous cash stream over um, Many years. You know, I mean, it's, I've been doing this for six years, but it's been running, um, you know, in that range. It's it's never been, uh, you know, like huge drops where suddenly there's a quarter where we drop from, you know, say nine percent down to two percent. Um, some of the things that you have to keep in mind: um, often the investment company needs cash to show um, banks and such that they have the down payment on hand, so you might have to put in money for. Uh, maybe three to nine months that you're worried about it not getting much return, if any at all, um, while it sits there and waits for a deal to happen. So that would be one area of um, consideration. Um, and then the other one is for 1031 exchanges. If, if pro uh, properties are exchanged to new ones, you have to realize that you're going to lose some cash flow for a number of months. I think we had um, two quarters back to back where one of the investments exchanged and didn't uh, generate any return. But the good thing is that we took all of the, the capital gain, rolled it into yet a larger uh, apartment building. So you're really going off and are highly, highly leveraged um, in getting yet more uh, rental income in the long run. So if you don't mind 
sitting out a quarter or two of profit, then you can go off and um, in the future generating even higher returns. Yeah, it's a really great point, Larry. I think that we've successfully, uh, with our investors at MPG, we've successfully exited several deals. And thankfully, we work with a lot of like-minded investors. And so we've been able to take those capital gains and roll them into new properties. And so what we've done is we've, we've actually restarted the clock um, from a, a depreciation perspective. And so we, we keep right on going without having to pay a capital gain. But more importantly, we're able to get a depreciation accelerator uh, in the, with the new purchase. So I think I'd like to talk a little bit about sort of the tax advantages that you've, you've realized um, as uh, a passive investor, because I think one of the things that we talk about is we always talk about cash on cash ROI to the investors, which I think is really important. You know, how much money are you putting in your pocket from cash flow from operations? But at the end of the year, when you file your taxes, Larry, as a passive investor that's got you know, way over a million bucks in these deals. What are the tax uh, implications uh, on your rental income that you're putting in your pocket? What What are you paying Uncle Sam in terms of tax? In terms of taxes? Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great question. So, um, I'm not a tax whiz, um, but in and I use an accountant to to deal with um, tax implications. I would highly recommend if you're going to get into multi-property and you start getting K-1s and such, it gets more complicated on how to depreciate your properties. But get a good accountant um, at last look for um, the 2018 tax year. I was paying near zero uh, income uh, or zero taxes on um uh, nearly $100,000 in rental property income, which is just mm-hmm. amazing. Now, eventually, um, when we sell properties or uh, the depreciation schedule runs out, we'll have to start paying more taxes, but much better than you would get if you were to, um, let's say you were pulling $100,000 income on a non-retirement uh, stocks and bonds and using that, you'd be paying you know, really high capital gain taxes, but with the depreciation that you get with rental properties, um, at least in the beginning years, you get, you don't have to pay hardly anything. So, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if you're making a hundred thousand dollars and, and deferring your taxes and basically paying zero taxes in the meantime, you really need to bring in 130,000 or 140,000 of W2 income to be equivalent to that hundred thousand dollars that you're putting in your pocket. So really, it is a, a quite um, incredible benefit, the tax advantages. And I don't think it gets talked about nearly enough uh, in terms of the advantages of real estate investing. Um, you know, Larry, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which I think is really interesting, is you've sort of had a really great career and you love what you do um, as a semiconductor guy. And you've got a pretty awesome job that we've talked about offline. But I think talk to the listeners a little bit about sort of how you went through the analysis of, you know, hey, look, should I be an active investor, do my own deals, or should I be a passive investor? And talk about sort of the realities of where you arrived at the decision to be a passive investor and why that works well for you. Because there's a lot of people out there that are in the same boat, that they've got a full-time job that they may actually really like. They may do, be doing quite well financially. And, and you know, maybe they're not necessarily, ha- they don't necessarily have to be actively managing the properties. Maybe talk a little bit about that if you can. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you find with, with active is you sometimes have to drop whatever you're doing um, on a moment's notice. For me, it took trips to Arizona to try to deal with issues. Sometimes that would be on, 
you know, work days to, to do. If you're jumping on a plane on a moment's notice, it's not uh, an inexpensive endeavor, even if it's not that far from, from where I'm based in Silicon Valley. But, um, you know, the, the passive approach is really good if you're a full-time employee in tech that are demanding jobs that take a lot of time, even though you might have full confidence in your ability to run a deal on your own. There's the this um, there's a time component that you only have so much time in the day, and you're starting to think about everything you have going on in your life. So I'm a you know full-time employee um, of a tech company. I've been doing some teaching on the side. I couldn't imagine trying to also manage an active um, uh, property invest investment. So that the time savings is huge to be able to make this type of return with very limited time. Uh, investment. So it, it works out great for, for my lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is awesome. That's awesome. Well, Larry, listen, man, we, we really appreciate you making the time today. Um, I think this is a, is a great benefit for viewers out there that are looking to passively invest in multifamily. So um, Polly, I know yes. you haven't really talked much during this show, but we, <laughs> but we, I guess we let Larry kind of do his thing and I, I may have jumped in a little bit a lot, but you That's know. That's okay. Larry tells a, uh, a very good story, especially if you uh, live in, in Northern California or live in Southern California, live in Los Angeles or New York or wherever, and you want to invest outside these areas. Uh, you know, I think Larry got burned a little bit by a hot stove by trying to be an active investor in some of these, 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 towns of Phoenix or going to Las, Las Vegas or some, some places like that to buy these single families. Those are very difficult to manage at a distance. And Larry tells a good story. About that. Uh, you know, you can have, you know, a lot of, I, I agree with Larry about uh, not getting advice from stock brokers or financial consultants because they can't get paid uh, on your real estate investments. And so they're, they're, uh, they're series seven doesn't include real estate. I mean, you can invest in a real estate fund, I guess, or a REIT or something like that, but it doesn't talk to them about how to advise you on real estate as a passive investor either, or even uh, a general partner. So there's no information that comes out of that. So they, they can't give you advice. So the only way you really can do it to can do it is, you know, becoming into a mentor broker, a mentor, uh, group or get into watching videos of like JC and I to kind of talk a little bit about it and educating you the best that we know how to and just using our experience level. So some great information, Larry. Thanks. We, we appreciate it. Uh, anything more to add JC before we let Larry go? Well, you, I think that you may, you may have made a special announcement today about your old capital conference. And I wanted to uh, give you a little time to talk about that. So don't forget October 24th, 25th, we're going to have Lou Holtz be our keynote speaker Again, this is the premier uh, annual conference throughout the United States. We have it in Dallas one time a year. Come to see us any way you can. Come on a jet airplane from American Airlines or Southwest if you're coming from outside Texas. We'd love to see you. This is a great opportunity to network, to get educated, to kind of figure out a little bit about more about what's going on and meet people just like JC and other limited partners out there and general partners about how they're doing it the right way. So our conference is October October 24th, 25th, go to the oldcapitalpodcast.com, oldcapitalpodcast.com, and reserve. We're looking forward to seeing Lou Holtz. Uh, Lou Holtz. Yeah, if you know who Lou Holtz is, I mean, he's a winner of national championships for the University of Notre Dame uh, and ESPN, but he tells a very positive story. And our overarching theme this year is do the right thing uh, by taking care of business the right way. So we look forward to seeing you.
uh, on October 24th, 25th in Dallas. I love it, Paulie. I will be there and I'm excited about it. And, uh, and I'm excited to meet Mr. Lou Holtz, right? The fighting Irish. You'll have Irish. a chance to meet him. Yes. That's awesome. And uh, if anybody out there uh, needs to connect with us or is interested in connecting with the Multifamily Property Group, you can go to our website, multifamilypropertygroup.com. You can set up a free 15-minute consultation with myself or one of the principals at NPG about we, how, we, how we might be able to help you out. And, uh, and we look forward to speaking with you. So that's all we've got. We are signing out. Have a good day. Bye-bye.